You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, let's turn in our Bibles. Are you ready? Philippians chapter 4. Now, you may have noticed there's a new theme at Gospelite. And the theme is going to be the subject, the title, if you will, the direction for the next two Sundays at Gospel Light. So I'm going to preach a two-part series on the theme. And I'm going to take the text, which is Philippians chapter number 3 in verse number 14. And I'm going to take that text in surrounding verses, and we are going to dive in to two things. Number one, first of all, and you'll see it in your, in your, in your worship guide. First of all, this morning, we're just going to the next level. I'm inviting you to be part of the we. Are you with me? A moment ago, we sang a song that, and during the time we sang it, we said this, show us your glory. Let every heart be holy ground, right? Now, think about that. I leaned over to Jeremy as we were singing. I said, man, that's a powerful way to sing that song, show us. Us includes everyone in the building. Let every heart. Every includes everyone in the building. So this morning, I want to invite you to be part of the we. We are going to the next level. And this morning, I want to be very transparent with you and let you know in advance that whether you are a member of Gospelite, a new member, you've been here for many years, maybe you're one of the very few charter members that have been here for 30 years, or you're a guest for the very first time, or maybe you've been attending for a few Sundays, or you're back in town visiting for the holidays, wherever you are in your journey with Christ member of the church, not a member of the church, I want to encourage you this morning to join me in an inspirational moment where we determine together to go to the next level. We're going to the next level. What does that look like? What does that mean? Next Sunday, I want to preach a message that's more applicable. And the message will be entitled, How to Get to the Next Level. And so that's going to be the next two Sundays. And I'm super excited. And, and, and maybe you can tell the energy that I have for this, uh, this theme really needs to match the theme. When you talk about going to the next level, uh, that's, that's something that is not, uh, it's, it's not just a casual statement. It's not something we would just say and flippantly, you know, yeah, man, I'm going to the next level. No, we're going to the next level. Let every heart be holy ground. Show us your glory, God. And I believe that already we have, we have experienced a next-level service this morning. Now, what I'd like to do is read to you the theme verse on the screen in four different translations that I often use in my study and sometimes even in the pulpit. I use the ESV. I'm going to read you that one first. So let's get familiar with the text, shall we? Are you ready for the theme verse in four different translations? Here it goes. Number one. I press on toward the goal that's on the banner as well for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice the words I have emphasized on the screen. Paul emphasizes, I believe, these words as well. Press, goal, prize, upward, Christ Jesus. What a a verse. Isn't that an inspirational verse? I mean, think about it. I press, Paul said... I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The King James says, and I like this, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The goal, the mark. I'm aiming for a mark. And then Philippians 3.14 in the NLT, I press on to reach 
the end of the race. Paul refers to the Christian life as a race. He says, I do this to receive a heavenly prize, not an earthly prize. This is way beyond, this is a next level prize. It's a heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, noticed who he is calling this prize to, us. And then Philippians 3.14, I often like to read the message just because it's more of a narration of the thought. Beginning in verse 13, Paul says, I'm not saying that I have this all together. I'm not saying that I've made it, but I am well on my way. I'm reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal. Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. And I'm not turning back. Can you sense the urgency, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the inspiration in this passage in all four translations as we introduce this theme? You know, from my reading of the New Testament, I have always believed that the Apostle Paul was a sports fan. I've just always believed that. Haven't the holidays been epic when it comes to sports? Did anybody watch the national championship playoff games yesterday? Was that not insane? I I, I, I bet if I waited for you to raise your hand, more than 80% of the crowd would raise their hands. I mean, not even people who are football fans uh, would enjoy these kinds of games. They're pretty amazing. I mean, both games went down to pretty much the last play intense games, exciting games. On January the 9th in Indianapolis, it'll be the TCU Horn Frogs and the Georgia Bulldogs, right? And, and that'll be an excellent game. And, and over the holidays, uh, Christmas Sunday always brings to us these epic matchups in the NBA. And then, of course, over the holidays, we, uh, there was uh, uh, the World Cup the country of Argentina was claimed as the world champion for the World Cup, and Lionel Messi finally got that championship. And all of these events were watched by millions upon millions of people. Paul was a sports fan. I'm just convinced of it as I read the New Testament. He obviously knew that the Olympics were were going on during his time. And also, he was probably familiar with what are called the Isthmian Games. And by the way, I worked at pronouncing that word right, the Isthmian Games. These games would have been much like the Olympic Games, and they would have been held in, uh, in and around the city of Corinth. These were games that would have included wrestling and, and, and horse racing and, and other sports that were going on at that time. Maybe Paul, instead of going, uh, uh, watching Monday night football, would have been watching Monday night chariot races. I don't know. But if Paul were alive today, I'm convinced he would be excited about Super Bowl Sunday. I think Paul would watch the World Series and have a favorite team. And no doubt on January the 9th, on that Tuesday night, he'd be pulling for the Bulldogs or the Horned Frogs, one or the other. And I believe this is why Paul often writes with the analogies of the athletic world to describe the Christian life. I happen to be a sports fan too. And early in my Christian life, as I began to preach messages I looked back this past week at many of my first messages, and half of my first 10, 15, 20 messages all had some sort of a sports title. I I feel like that uh, maybe Paul and I had that in common. Just I would often preach about running a race or fighting the fight 
or, or, or wrestling with you know, the flesh and, and, and these terms that Paul used in Scripture often. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? <laughs> so run that you may obtain it. Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, in effect, Paul is saying, run in such a way as to get the prize. The expression prize is one that Paul borrows from the Roman and Greek games. These were games where the winners of those games would have been given a prize. And like all athletes, Paul was prepared to do without certain things so that he might win the prize. Because the prize is something you win. Something that is worth the effort. Something that is worth the output. To win the prize as an athlete, you need to go to the next level. In fact, that's a term that oftentimes is used in our modern-day vernacular, our modern-day English. It, you hear it amongst young people. Coaches often say, hey, we got to go to the next level. we got to take our game to the next level. we got to up our game we got to find a way to reach deep within and not quit and go to the next level. Because Paul was obviously familiar with the Olympics, I thought I would introduce to you a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. I studied some sports during the last couple of weeks in preparation for this message, just looking for an illustration. And I found that there was an interesting story I had never heard before about a triple jumper named Jonathan Edwards. No, not the old-time, you know, 1700s preacher, but a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards from Great Britain. And Jonathan Edwards ran, uh, rather uh, participated in the triple jump in the 1996 Olympics and the 2000 Olympics. And in 1995, Jonathan Edwards did something that nobody has ever done before. Because Paul used sports as an illustration, I thought this morning I would open and close with an illustration. So let me introduce you to this unusual man, this, this, this guy that nobody has hardly ever heard of, and, and I'd never heard of him until I just researched and found this interesting next-level athlete. Take a look at this 27-second video as I introduce his story to you this morning. What can you say? This man has already, I believe, won the competition. And quite rightly, could have taken the, the second round jump and relaxed. But I think he knows, like everybody else, that he's in the form of his life. What a position to be in. Here he goes again. Time out. <laughs> we'll pick that up at the end. It's a beautiful jump. There comes a time in life when you feel you are ready to take it to the next level. The lessons of the past have served you well. They've made you stronger. They've made you wiser. Back this June of 2022, I celebrated 30 years as pastor of one church, a church that we established with 17 people, some of you are in this room right now. And we celebrated 30 years of ministry for, obviously, myself as the pastor, and, and, but, but the church as a whole. We have a kind of a timeline of the church for 30 years in the, in the atrium that many of you have commented was, was is, is exciting to, to look at. But what's interesting about that is 
It, it, it doesn't show many defeats. All it shows is victories. You'd think that from day one to, to now, it was just like, man, what a cakewalk. Can I tell you, it's been everything but a cakewalk. We have had some incredible times, and I look back on our ministry and that first little gathering of 17 people that turned into, on certain Sundays and, and different times, hundreds of people. I remember back in the days of the bus ministry when hundreds and even thousands of boys and girls would gather on this property, and what an era that ministry had of, of great uh, harvesting in our town. And to this day, we are still seeing results from the bus ministry that was so fruitful for so many years. I remember the Thanksgiving Day feast that started off in a hallway in a storefront building with about 30 people being fed, homeless people, and here recently almost 1,500 people being fed on our properties. I remember the humble beginnings of a little, you know, 18 by 80 storefront building where we could stuff about 75 people into the auditorium. And now today, a vast, beautiful auditorium where we can have multiple services in. I remember those days. I remember the starting of our Christian school, small little school in the basement of a a storefront that has now grown and to be such an exciting, thriving Christian school that is growing in great numbers. I remember the start of our college in 2005 as a Bible institute and and how God blessed Champion and and, and, and grew Champion and and, and through tough times it became accredited and and now is a four-year accredited college and how exciting those moments have been in our ministry. And honestly, I could continue to share those things. But I also remember many of the tough, difficult days that have made me wiser as I have pastored this church. Deaths in the church family, in my own family, and, 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 and men and women who have gone on before us who left way too soon, it seems, at times. Financial crunches, times when the Attendance didn't go up that year, but actually went down that year. Tragedies in marriages where there were divorces and affairs. Tragedy in the lives of young people who rebelled and turned to other things other than Christ. Storms we had to weather together as a church to be in this place right now. When I celebrated 30 years of ministry, one of the things that I felt myself doing, and I didn't, I didn't like the feeling, but it was happening and I must be very vulnerable at this moment and tell you that I I felt like, you know what? It's pretty good. This is good. I mean, 30 years, man, who can say that? In fact, every time somebody would say, man, there's not many people that could say they stayed at the same place for 30 years, I think, yeah, you're right. It's pretty good, isn't it? And And I felt myself thinking, you know, we've accomplished a lot. Maybe it's time for me to sit back on my laurels and, and, and maybe it's time as a pastor, as a, as, just as I lead this church, to kind of lead it maybe in my final days and to step down and, and we can travel the world and go places and, and, and kind of, you know, do something different. Th- those, those thoughts, those moments came into my mind. Sure it did. Just again, being transparent. But can I tell you those didn't last very long. And I see here in Scripture, as the Apostle Paul begins to introduce this thought, I can see him not in the beginning of his days of ministry, much like as I found this verse in Joshua chapter 13 and verse number 1. Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord says to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Meaning this, that for the Christian, it's completely different than it is in other, in other professions. For an athlete, he retires. 
I mean, yeah, you've got a Tom Brady that every now and then, or a LeBron James that every now and then will borrow a few years from Father Time, but eventually, retirement comes. Your records are set. There's no more next level. You're done. You, you, you step down. And that, that's the way it is for a businessman or for a CEO or a CFO of a company. Or many times, that's kind of the focus is, look, I've done what I've done. Now it's time to walk away, but not for the believer. Not for the Christian. In fact, if anything, there, there comes a time where you say, you know what? I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready for God to take me on to greater things. I want to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call that's in Christ Jesus as I never have before. And so during that time of these thoughts and these prayers and these moments of contemplation with God were going on, the theme next level came to mind. And that is the theme for the Gospelite Baptist Church in 2023, the next level. And what I want to take is just a moment, and, and, and the message in the notes, believe it or not, will we'll go quite quickly. And, and I've got some, some, some thoughts for you this morning. I'm hoping this will be such a help to you understanding what God has done to bring us to this place. But I want to give you a little taste. Anybody ever been to Sam's? And you walk down those, Glory Ann loves Sam's. Want to go Sam's? Yeah. We go to Sam's, and sure enough, they all know her. And they all, hey, Gloriette, come here. Let me give you a little taste of this chicken. And what do they want you to do? They want you to buy the big box of chicken. Or let me give you a little taste of this energy drink. And then, and then they want to sell you the, the box of 32 energy drinks, right? And, and all through Sam's, they're doing a taste test because they want to give you a little snippet of what could be. This morning, I want to give you a little snippet of what could be. I want you to notice in your worship guides that you have uh, made out to the acrostic of our church's name, Gospel Light, 11 core values. There are six letters in gospel. There are five letters in light. And we've taken each one of those letters and we've attached to that a core value. And then I want to give you a next level statement to that core value and then a scripture that we can memorize every month of the year. I want to do that real quickly as we begin to introduce this theme of we are going to the next level. In January, we're going to focus on the, the letter G, and the core value is God is number one in our lives. He's number one. The next level statement is this. We want to seek the presence of God at the next level. Because Matthew 6.33 reminds us that we can seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to us. So in January, church, our focus will be seeking the presence of God. And after this short sermon series, we'll take the last three weeks of the month and focus on God first, prayer first. We're going to focus on seeking the presence of God in our lives, in our families, in our walk, in our church, in our worship services. It's going to be a powerful moment as we desire an unquenchable thirst for the presence of God in our lives. And then in February... Oh, opportunity to grow is always before us. The next level statement is this. Attached to that is growing with God's vision to the next level. And then 2 Peter 3.18 reminds us to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Growing it to the next level. Taking what God has given us and, and, and allowing the seeds of the Holy Spirit to be planted in our lives that we might grow in our walk with God, grow in our vision 
for the church, grow in our vision for our personal lives, grow in our vision for our families, stepping out by faith and saying, God, do it again as we sang this morning. And then in March, S, service with excellence is our focus. That's the core value. But here's the next level statement. Living with excellence at the next level. Daniel says, because an excellent spirit, having an excellent spirit, having excellent families, excellent marriages. Honey, our marriage getting, getting, going to the next level. Amen? After, after 34 years, can you imagine, honey, if God could take our marriage to the next level? Taking our, our finances to the next level. Jeremy touched on that. What an opportunity to be consistent this year in our giving where we have not been consistent, where God can take our generosity to the next level. And then the month of April, P, people matter more than projects. Practicing hospitality at the next level, just like Jesus in Mark chapter 6 had compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We too determine that people are more important than projects. Focusing on people, greeting people, welcoming people, loving people, loving the unlovely, loving each other. Understanding that more important than the comforts of a building and the, and the projects that the church offers and the opportunities to serve, more important than that is people. Someone challenged me last night at dinner. They challenged me. A family in our church, they said, what are you passionate about? I mean, after 30 years of ministry... And I, didn't, I wasn't expecting the question. It was like in the middle of a bite. I'm like, dude, that's deep. I'm chewing on my meal, and they're asking me this question. And you could tell they were really want, waiting to hear what I'd have to say. And I paused for 10 seconds, and the only thing that could come to my mind was, I, I think what I'm passionate about is just people, even more than a sermon. It's people. Yesterday morning, meeting Kim at 9 o'clock in the morning at Cracker Barrel, one of the highlights of my day, Kim, Spending an hour and a half with you. And then at noon, meeting a church member with a struggling marriage and taking them out for a couple of hours and just spending time talking about how their marriage can come get out of this rut and go to the next level. And then last night, taking a family in the church out to dinner and spending time talking about the new year and vision for their families. And then coming home to my own family and realizing this is what it's all about. People are more important than projects. And then May, evangelism is our focus in every possible way. Sharing the gospel. This is our next level statement for the month of May. Sharing the gospel at the next level. Going into all the world and proclaiming the gospel. Sharing the gospel with those around us, those across the street, those in our neighborhood, those in our community. Finding a way, in in, in, in unusual ways. I mean, winning people to Christ that nobody else is willing to win to Christ. Going places nobody else is willing to go. Reaching people nobody else is willing to reach. By the way, church, we're in the neighborhood to do that. God put us here in an unusual place to share the gospel with this city. And then the month of June, love is our, G-O-S-P-E-L, love is our reason for sacrifice, loving others at the next level, walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. What a, what a show of love at Calvary. What a show of love at Calvary. As Jesus laid down his life, 
an expression of love that is indescribable, that is inexpressible. There's no way to comprehend the love that Jesus had for us as he shared it with us and showed it to us on Calvary. This morning, may we share that same sacrificial love with this community. Because love is the greatest. If you don't have that, you have nothing. And then July, L-I-G-H-T, laughter is the key to our ministry. The, the great, the next level statement is this, that living with happiness is at the next level. May our mouths be filled with laughter. May our tongues shout for joy. May we understand that the Christian life is not boring. It's not something we have to tread through and, and, and well, you know, I've got to go to church again. No, this can be the most exciting, the most incredibly joyous, fun. In fact, I want you to know this. I love what I do. I I. I came to work this morning. True story. I, I stood in my office and thought, when I got up, I wasn't this happy. Why am I so happy now? Well, I think it was coffee. But anyway, something happened, and I, a switch turned, and I was like, man, I love this. Why do I still love this after 30 years? Why, why do I still enjoy the ministry? Why, why can't I wait to get to the auditorium to begin to shake hands? What is wrong with me? Maybe what is right with me? It's fun. I, I love to hear my kids say, you know, the, the only thing really we can, they say, the one thing we know that may be the reason why we all are in ministry is because just daddy made it look like it was fun, so we figured it looks fun. <laughs> Man, if daddy makes it look like it's fun, maybe, maybe it would be fun for us too. And I, I think and believe that they all are having fun serving God together. In fact, there's nothing that brings more happiness to me than to serve God with the people I love. August, August, I, involvement by all is our aim, serving God at the next level. Uh, as, as each has received a gift, all of us have received a gift. Use it to serve one another, taking service to the next level, finding our gifts, getting involved, determining that we're going to be consistent in our involvement through our lighthouses that we're starting up this month, and that ministry opportunity, that cutting-edge idea, that next-level idea that says we're going to to gather as a lighthouse three times a month or four times a month, but once a month, we're actually going to serve together. That, my friend, is next level. We've never done that before. We've served together before, but not consistently, not with a plan, not with a purpose, not with a, a, a monthly goal. This is pressing towards the mark. This is the next level. And then September generosity is our way of life. Being generous at the next level, understanding it is more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, listen, this is something that when you get a hold of this, when you understand this, when this grips your heart, when generosity grips your heart, when you understand, when you believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive, you understand that I'm not not giving every Sunday, God, just 10% of my income. I'm deciding every week what amount of God's am I going to keep because it's all His. It all belongs to Him. And that changes the narrative. And and generosity becomes, you know, when I think about a generous church, I would imagine that church with everybody participating, with everybody involved, that church thriving when it comes to finances. And and when the church determines that, listen, it's not about me. it's It's about the church. It's about the mission of God. Generosity begins to become a way of life for that person in that church. And then the month of October, hope, H, 
hope is what we offer to the world as a church. The next level statement is this, hope to the world at the next level, giving hope to the world at the next level. Why? Because we understand that our hearts honor Christ. The Lord is always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. God's plan for the world to be reached was through the church. The church gives hope to the world. And as you and I can, can be a part of a church that is giving hope to people that there is a better way. There is a, there is a life that is eternal that can, be, that can be offered through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can give hope. And, and the church should go from a little C to a capital C. And we understand how important the church is to this community. And then November, thinking bigger and expecting more is our mindset. Thinking big at the next level, far, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. I mean, not small thinking, but big thinking. Not, not just, you know, well, you know, I don't know about that. No, no, look, God can do anything. God is the God of the impossible, amen. I think about 30 years of, of ministry here, and honestly, most of what has happened here has, has been beyond belief. It's been beyond understanding. It's just God has always done exceedingly, abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And so regardless of whether it's your career, your investments, business, or growth as a person, ultimately, all of us would like to go beyond our present limitations, whatever that is. Next level is going beyond what's limiting you right now. Whatever excuse you're giving, that excuse is going to be set aside because next level thinking, Paul's thinking here in the text It's the yearning to explore the unknown that fuels human progress, taking it up a notch, a passion to press forward, craving for more than just the status quo. And the Apostle Paul speaks about going to the next level in our theme verse, Philippians 3.14. Look at it on the screen. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let me then ask you a question. And here it is. What are you pressing for in life? What are you right now? What is it? Identify. What are you going for? What is it right now? What are you passionate about? What is your goal? What is the prize you are aiming for? Because I believe that far too often Christians settle for goals that are less than the heavenly one. That are less than the high calling of God that are very far less than the upward call of God. Because there is no crown for our earthly activity if it is unrelated to the goal that God has for our lives. There's no crown. Solomon said, these things are vain. It's a waste. It doesn't matter if it's not connected to the heavenly goal, to the, to the, to the prize that God has for us. Too many are laying up corruptible crowns as opposed to incorruptible crowns. We're living for the temporal as opposed to to the eternal. And I'm simply encouraging our church today to understand what it is that Paul is speaking about. My son called me two days ago from Hawaii. They're in Hawaii with the basketball teams, and they're playing some games. And the first day he got there, he called me on FaceTime. He said, Dad, I want to tell you the best news that a coach can ever hear. I said, what's that, son? And he puts Braylon Hawkins. Braylon's a senior at Champion Christian College. He puts him on the FaceTime with me. And 
I said, Braylon, what, 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 I was talking to Mo, what, what, what do you have the phone? He said, well, I got some good news, preacher. I said, what is the news? He said, preacher, I got saved. He handed, we talked about 10 minutes, Braylon and I did. I, he hands the phone back to Mo, Mo's just tears streaming down his eye. He said, Dad, let me just tell you something. It's not about basketball. He didn't say this, but I'm going to say it for the message. Dad, it's about the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's about the heavenly prize. Dad, it's not about winning games. Dad, it's about Braylon Hawkins getting saved. Dad, this is just the beginning. God's doing something. He didn't mean God's helping us to jump higher, make more layups, win more games. What he meant is God is is bringing to that team a a potentially a, a harvest of souls. We've been waiting for this church. We've been praying for this. Could we be together on the precipice of a revival even in our college? This is next level. That phone call was next level. I want to give you six goals in life that are next level. Some of us have mental goals. These are good goals. More education. Maybe another degree. I think it's good. How how many books can I read this year? Those those are good goals. Nothing wrong with having mental goals, with expanding your mind and growing in knowledge. Some of us have muscle goals. These are goals of physical strength. Maybe someone wants to gain weight. Maybe someone wants to lose weight. Nevertheless, oftentimes, in the beginning of a year, everybody joins the gym. Everybody gets an exercise plan. Everybody starts setting goals that have to do with their muscles, their physical life. Others have money goals. A dollar figure. This is how much money I want to have in the bank at the end of the year. This is how much money I want to invest Or this is how much money I want to give. Or or this is how much money I want to spend. Money goals. Dollar figures. It's a big part, oftentimes, of goal setting. Others have ministry goals. For me, I find myself every year looking at projects that need to be done in the ministry. Or I talk to some folks about promotions in ministry. Maybe I could go from this position to this position. And one day I have a goal to be this position. I want to be an elder. I want to be a deacon. I want to be a pastor one day. And, and so there's ministry goals that deal with people, promotions, projects. Some have material goals, certain possessions, that car, that house. Something I want to have this year that I've always wanted. It's on my bucket list. It's on the list of things that I want to purchase. I want to buy. I want to finance. I want to find a way to to have this material possession. But there's one goal that all of us should have. I don't know how many of you have muscle goals or money goals or ministry goals or or, or material goals. I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe some would say, yeah, I've got that goal, but not that goal. But I'm going to tell you there's a goal that all of us need to have. We all need to press for the master's goal. All of us. Every one of us. All of us. Show us, God, your glory. Let every heart be holy ground. The prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is the master's goal. What is the prize that we're going to press toward? What is the next level living for 2023? Well, context is very important. And as I come to the close of my message, I want to introduce you to the text. Believe it or not, here we come to Philippians chapter 3. I mentioned this will be more inspirational than application, but this morning, if you could humor me as I introduce a new theme for just a moment and understand that I, I want you to, to understand this prize this morning. 
And next week, we'll talk about how we can get it. Look at it here in verse 7. Paul had already talked about all the things he had accomplished in life. Paul was very clear in verses 1 through 6 of Philippians chapter 3 that he had done this and 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 he was this and this and that and that. Paul had already accomplished amazing things personally in his life. But here's what Paul said. Whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Here's why. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, like the stuff I've been talking about, I've done this, I've done that, I've accomplished this, I have this much money, I I have this much education, I have this much popularity, I have this much fame. No, 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 not a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, the invisible stuff, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And then this verse that has caused many to have a debate about what exactly it means, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I mean, obviously, you know, Paul knew that there would be a resurrection, one that he could not earn, one that he could not attain, one that he, that he could do nothing to get. He was going to get the resurrection, whether he attained it or not, whether he worked for it or not. In fact, the word attain means to come to arrive at by motion, by bodily exertion, by human effort towards a place or object. The resurrection is going to happen whether we attain it or not. So what Paul was wanting to attain, what was Paul aiming for? Verse 14, a goal. A prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe this resurrection is more attached to Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 35 where Scripture says, women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. I want to live my life in such a way that when it comes time for me to see God, when it comes time for me to be resurrected, that I have laid it all out for God, that I've done everything I could with my life. This is what I want to attain. I want to press towards this, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Not that I've already obtained this. Not that I'm already perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But this one thing I do, we'll talk about that next week. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press, here it is, the theme verse, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anybody thinks otherwise, well, God will have to just reveal it to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I see five things here that Paul is saying. Number one, it seems as Paul is saying, I was important and significant 
But now I've made a decision. I'm going to write all of these things off. And I'm going to the next level. Wow. I've been there. I felt really important and significant before. I've had the fancy introductions, you know. I became the million miler with Delta. I already got that. You know, I, I know what that's like. I, I know what all that's like. I, I feel like what Paul is saying here is kind of what I'm saying about myself and what you could say about yourself is it's all dung. King James calls it dung. I don't want to go there, but that doesn't sound very good. It's just all rubbish. I'm going to write all these things off. I'm going to forget all that stuff. I'm going to the next level. It seems as if Paul is saying, I gave up what was impressive to people to pursue what was important to me. I was for so long a people pleaser, a man pleaser, a man worshiper, someone who wanted man's applause more than God's favor. Just being honest, is that okay? Can I tell you, it's really hard sometimes when you're in a place where, where you're, you're sought after and, 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 and you, you're, you're someone who is, is receiving the, the favor of man and, and you can sometimes get so caught up in that that it becomes more important to you than, than what's the, the prize that God has, the upward call of God. But this morning, I want to say with Paul, I'm going to give up what was impressive to people and pursue what's important to me, the prize, the upward call of God. It seems as if Paul is saying, I'm going to reach towards something bigger and better. Bigger and better? What's that look like? Well, as I'm living in Christ, I'm dying to self. People see less of me and more of Jesus. It's less about how many people tell me it was a good sermon, and it's more about how people say, what a great Savior. Amen. It's more about my insecurities. I wonder if he likes me or she likes me. It's what does God think? What does God think? I want God's favor. I want God's approval. I want, I want and I mean this from my heart, that, that I believe Paul is saying that so often we get caught up in bigger, better, bigger auditoriums, bigger crowds, more, of, more notoriety. We, we want to have our name somewhere where we can be recognized. And Paul says, no, die to self so you can live for Christ. It seems as if Paul is saying, I want the righteousness that comes from God through faith. I want to be more focused on the invisible stuff. That's going to the next level. The stuff you can't see. That's living by faith. Trusting God. And then finally, it's as if Paul is saying, as I'm gaining strength in God, as I'm gaining this strength, as I'm going to the next level, as, I'm, as the old song said, as I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. As I'm gaining strength in God, I'm losing a sense of certainty in the things I used to trust in. Therefore, I'm going to the next level in living for Jesus. This is, this is where I'm at. I, I'm losing a sense of certainty in the things I used to trust in. Those things that, that, that I used to say, this, this is what I'm, uh, I look at as success. This is what I look at as, as, as good. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm striving for. I'm striving for the banner that says we had the most baptisms. I'm, I'm, I'm losing a sense of certainty in that. Well, what does that mean? That's rubbish. 
What I want to do is know Christ. What, what I want to do is, is have fellowship with him and his sufferings. I want to be more like him in his death. Notice again in Philippians 3, verse 12 and 13, Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do. I've got to focus on this. I've got to shut some other things out and make sure that I'm going after the right goal. I've got to shut some things out. There's too much in my life. I'm too crowded right now. There's too many things that are vying for my attention. I've got to focus on one thing. We'll talk about that next week. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. For a moment, church, as we close, think about it. I press on. I press on through difficulties. I press on through dangers. I press on through migraine headaches. I press on through my emotional dysfunctions that seem to hold me back. I press on for the prize. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be challenges. But I press toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God. The next level. The next level. Paul continues in verse 15. Let those of us who mature think this way. All of us who are mature should have this view. Hang with me. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Which way? Forget what lies behind, strain forward to what lies ahead, and press toward the goal. That way. But I realize, and please hear my heart, that, that, that not everybody here is going to make that decision. At least that's what the statistics say. Not, not everybody sitting in the building is connecting with this message or, or Paul's message. Not mine, Paul's. Not, not everybody's connecting with, with your testimony about giving this morning consistently every week. Not, not everybody's connecting with, with the prayer that our worship pastor led us in. Not everyone's connecting with show us your glory. Let every heart. I get it. It, it. It's difficult. I understand it is. But then Paul goes on to say, if any of you think otherwise. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, Paul said, if you don't agree with me, then I'm just going to have to let God take care of you. I don't know what else to do. This is it. This is what matters. The next level of pressing toward this goal, this is all that matters. If you don't get that, I'm just, I'm going to have to let God take care of you. But what would it be like if all of our church got on board with going to the next level? What would that look like if everybody in this room said, I... I'm on board. No, no, I I want this. Look at the text again in verse 15 and 16. Let those of us, this is an us thing. Let those of us, verse 16, only let us to go to the next level. We need each other. Listen, Runners do better with other runners. Climbers do better with other climbers. And Christians do better with other Christians. We need each other. Everybody in the building needs to be in a lighthouse. 
What's a lighthouse? You've got to ask me about it. It's incredible. It's a gathering, a weekly gathering of, of, of in small groups called lighthouses that gather together to hold each other accountable. Kevin Connor, Kevin, our new discipleship pastor. Kevin, can you imagine if through those lighthouses our discipleship pastor could begin to disciple with the help of others some of these that are desiring to go to the next level? Isn't that what discipleship is? It's going to the next level. This, this is what, this is, you can run alone, you can train alone, but you will always do better. You will always up your game when you have others who are there to inspire you, to encourage you, and to train you by the way they run their race. That's it, church. We need each other. It's not a solo run. Paul needed others. Paul constantly referred to others that were helping him, churches that were giving to him, people that were supporting him, people visiting him in prison, coming alongside Paul. There are so many names that Paul listed. Why? Because we need each other. Imagine if the entire church family at Gospelite went to the next level. And so, Jeremy, if you'd come up here on the platform with me and grab this uh, tape measure. Stand right here on the top stair. I'll give you an illustration. I wonder how far Jonathan Edwards jumped. Y'all have any idea where we're at? We're at 20 feet. wonder how far he jumped. We're at 34 feet. Let's see. Hang in there. We're at 47 feet. Hold that right there. Well, never mind. Well, I was about 10 feet outside the door. Show the video. Throughout the vast and deep history of athletics, very few world records ever truly stand the test of time. Some last for a few years, others last for perhaps a decade, but then there's the other type of world record that endures for an entire generation. On August 7th of 1995, Jonathan Edwards from Great Britain accomplished one of the most historic feats in all of track and field. In the very first round of the Men's Triple Jump World Championships, he soared to an unbelievable distance of 18.16 meters, making him the first athlete to ever jump over 18 meters. This leap was already magnificent. However, when round two came around, he somehow managed to outdo himself. With a nearly flawless jump, he completely crushed his own world record with a legendary leap of 18.29 meters. By this point in the competition, only 20 minutes into the World Championships, the meet was all but over. In his first two rounds, he had already achieved two marks far beyond what anyone else had ever attained. And as you can imagine, he easily went on to win the gold medal for these World Championships. To this day, over 25 years later, this record still stands as the official world record, and it also makes Edwards still the only human to ever triple jump beyond 60 feet. This was clearly a very special moment in world record history. 60 feet. Jonathan Edwards was a born-again believer. He said as a Christian, get this, he learned from experience. Am I really going to go for it 100%? 
come what may, win or lose? Am I going to put God first? Am I going to glorify him and give him my best regardless of the results? That day, Jonathan Edwards set a world record. And they went to him, as I read and studied the story, they went to him and said, hey, Jonathan, you've already jumped 60 feet. Nobody's ever jumped 60 feet. That's a world record. You've won. You don't have to jump again. He said, uh, I've got two jumps. I'll jump again. But you don't need to. I'm going to the next level. He's the only Olympian to ever set the world record twice in the same event on the same day, 30 minutes apart. You know, as I think about that, I think about my life. Eric, you've already lived 30 years. You've done enough. You're good. Got a wife, five kids, and grandkids. It's a good life. Take it easy. I want to go to the next level. I want to go to, I want, I want to give it all. I want to die to myself so I can live for Christ. That was a sports illustration. See, why'd you give us that? Well, because Paul gave a lot and I figured I could give one. I hope you'll take Paul's admonition in Philippians 3 and apply it to three areas this morning. Number one, as I think about the presence of Christ, Jeremy, as I think about putting God first in, in our lives, I'm thinking about Bible reading and, 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 and the Word, right? This morning I got up and I started my yearly calendar. <laughs> Don't raise your hand, but I bet most of you did. It's the first. I mean, we've got to get this thing started off right, right? So I finished my day. I got 364 to go. I want to go to the next level in my Bible reading. I made some decisions about I want God's Word to burn in my heart again at the next level. Secondly, prayer. Prayer. I want to take prayer to the next level in my life. And I got to thinking, what if I could spend, just what if we could spend 15 minutes a day intimate with God? There's 24 hours in a day, which means there's 96 opportunities to spend 15 minutes. I wonder if God may this morning say to all of us, give me one of those opportunities every day. I'm giving you 96. Would you give me one? Would you spend 15 minutes? Would you go next level in your prayer life? Just give me one of 96. God's word, prayer, and fasting. I don't know that you can go next level without fasting. I don't think it's possible. I You say, fasting, what do you mean, pastor? I mean, giving up something, dying to something you love, you enjoy, in order to go for something more important, in order to achieve something, in order to press on to something greater. I'd like to encourage all of us in the month of January to determine periodically when we're going to fast this month. Some could do it from food for a day or two or a week, but many of us have health issues that would interfere with us doing any more than skipping a meal. But if that's all you do is for a week, skip lunch or, or, or maybe skip dinner or skip something and, and just drink water for that period of time. And while you're doing that, you're praying, God, I want to go to the next level. 
I want you to take, I'm going without. These hunger pains that I have, Father, are not nearly as important as the hunger I have for you. God, I'd rather have you than food. When we can say that, I believe God begins to understand the depth of our seriousness about next level living. The word, prayer, and fasting. God's presence. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. And as we close the message, and as we begin to think about next week's sermon, how to get to the next level from the text, I'm asking that you might consider as we sing and worship and finish the service, that you might consider leaving this place having made a decision to be one of the us, the we. Show us your glory, God. Let my heart be holy ground. Father, I, I, I want to be one of those who determines that this is the direction I want my life to go. I, I want to press toward this mark. I, I, want, I want to understand what is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if pastor's going to tell me next week how I can do it, I'll be here. I'll bring someone with me. It's in the text. It's beautiful, church. It's there. Paul tells us how to go to the next level. It's more than just... It, it, Look, I know I've been a little bit hyped this morning. I get it. And sometimes we can tend to criticize a hype message. And please forgive me if it offended anyone that I was a little more hyped this morning than I was deep. But next week, I assure you, we'll go deep into this text and we'll bring from it ways that we can go to the next level. But I pray this morning, you've enjoyed the pep talk, the motivating, inspirational message, asking all of us to spend time with God that we might go to the next level. If you're here today, you've never been saved, you've never trusted Christ, you don't know what it's like to experience eternal life in Christ, this joy that is unexplainable, this love that is bountiful and powerful. If you've never truly experienced the love of Christ through Calvary by faith, I want you to know this morning you can and we'll be here. We'd love to talk with you. I'll be up front. Jeremy will be up front. Doug will be here. We'd love to take a moment and share with you the gospel or rejoice with you at a decision you've already made. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for this service. I thank you for the opportunity to speak and preach and share. As we close, God, with these two songs, may we leave this place rejoicing that you have been with us, that you've met with us, that your word has not been void, but rather, God, it's been sharp like a two-edged sword. It's pierced us, Father. May we respond in a way that would be pleasing to you, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.